0: Hello, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 126. Besides our horses themselves, our leather products are some of our most prized possessions. My saddle is like my baby. And so we have an amazing guest today. He is an absolute genius when it comes to leather and leather care. He has worked in leather repair for a really long time and has worked with some of the top saddle companies in the world. He has also come out with his own leather care products that really do amazing wonders for your saddle, both for upkeep and if your saddle needs a little extra TLC. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Christian Lowe. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. I love all of my leather products. I mean, I think that my leather tack are so near and dear to my heart. They're like my little babies and such a big investment for so many. So I'm so happy I have you on today to kick your brain about all things leather care. But first, I kind of want to hear how you first got into the equestrian world.
1: Yeah, it was through through family. You know, my older sister was the you know, horse crazed, uh, young woman, you know, and when she was getting dropped off at the farm every weekend and and going for riding lessons and things like that, her, her little brother was right there beside her tagging Mm -hmm. along. Yep. Actually when she, at one point was way back when they used to call them head girls. She, she was running the farm and taking care of, you know, competitive horses and things like that. I, by, by, you know, weaseled my way in there as a young, <laughs> kind of apprentice to her kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, that's 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 how it all started. Anyway, and then slowly gravitated into you know obviously a passion for horses, but which which grew into the saddlery side of things.
0: Cool. So as you were growing up, obviously the love for horses and and equestrian sport in general was definitely there. How did that kind of end up translating into having a career in the equestrian world?
1: Yeah, that's. A great question because I I could never be accused of being analytical in my life, but for <laughs> one time I actually sat down. It's probably such a common story. Being passionate about horses doesn't mean you're gonna have a great career in horses. Yeah. And I was struggling and and you know in my early twenties, you you know, a light bulb goes off that you're going, okay. I don't have the ability or skill or, you know, things aren't, aren't happening for me. I'm not going to become a trainer. Owners aren't lining up to give me horses. I'm, I'm not in a financial position to, to, to buy competitive horses and, and compete every weekend. So sure. that I had to reimagine my passion. Okay. where well, how am I fitting in? And mm-hmm. I, I think being a professional groom, you know, all those years of, tricking and convincing other people to braid my horses for me (laughs) means (laughs) means that I never acquired so many skills that it took to you know be say a a groom on a a competitive international level which is how I was seeing things so I really I just sat down you know what other you know and I really love a trade I wanted to be working with my hands Mm -hmm. and a farrier I mean, we've all stood for hours holding horses for farriers or helping them, and I just, I just knew enough about that that I did not want to be one. And so, you know, when you start thinking about, well, what are, what are all the careers in in the horse industry, and what ones am I actually capable of training to do? You know, I'm not going to become a vet or something like that. So, and it dawned on me, you know, the saddlery trade is so underserviced. You know, that was. 30 years ago now, but still it's really tough to find someone to go, Hey, who, who can repair this for me? And it's, it's worked out well for me because I, you know, I, it was difficult to find the training, but that's, that's what I did. I sat down and said, okay, well, what, what areas are underserviced and actually obtainable for me?
0: At that point, had you done a lot of work With leather and with saddles, like, did you have a lot of experience, or where did once you decided that that's maybe the route you wanted to go? Where what what was your next step?
1: Yeah, my exposure to saddles at that point had been working for a wholesaler that was the Canadian dealer for for Passier. So, you know, I'd been exposed to. To really great saddles, and you know this magnificent his historic brand, right. but I, I, you know, I could, you know, you know, apart from, you know, understanding that it's a saddle and what it's used for, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so on, but I, I couldn't certainly take one apart and reassemble it or diagnose an issue with the saddle. So I, I, I was familiar with the saddles, but yeah, it, it was. Wanting to understand more about them—that's, you know, the the saddle is is just one piece of equipment that's people are so passionate about. You know, you might have your favorite bridle, but the saddle is, you know, one of those things where it's like, no, 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 that's that's my home. That's where I Mm -hmm. feel comfortable, and I I love that aspect of it. So,
0: and it's so personalized too—not just that it perfectly fits you, but it. Hopefully fits the horses well and the horses that you ride, and it's just yeah, it's yeah. A, it's, it's like a a fingerprint for you and for your kind of tack and, and and you know your part in the equestrian world. So it's really yeah, it's I think people are very protective of their saddles. As so as you were diving into the equestrian world, you had I know currently you have a job working to repair and, and help facilitate those repairs for CWD and DevaQ and Butte. What, what is that kind of like for you? And, and how did you get in communication with brands like that? And what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis with helping repair tack and saddles?
1: Yeah, so my first introduction to these French brands broadly was through the sales reps. So in in Canada, there's even fewer saddlers than in, in the U.S. Okay. So if you're a sales rep, or even you, let's say you bought a, a used or or new French saddle, and you're looking for service on it or a tweak to make it fit your horse better. The solution, say, fifteen years ago, was well, we can send it back to the factory. Now, shipping a saddle back to France, having the work done, and then shipping it back, the shipping charges are probably three to four times what the actual bill for the work is. Wow. Yeah, and and it takes you know, say, six weeks round trip, and it's just inconvenient for the the client at the end of the day. So I really started proactively reaching out to the reps going look I can help with this and they you know they're obviously reluctant because they're like look we're selling on an idea that a french saddle or our brand in particular whether it's italian or french or german or english saddle is is you know worked on by the highest of quality mm-hmm. uh, people and they're trained and everything so i i just started inviting myself to the factories and it was a great way i've been I've been in some of the, the biggest brands headquarters all over the world as it's, it's, it's like a Saddler's dream vacation, but yeah. you're, you know, you're getting to go and seeing like, Oh, okay. That technique. That's interesting. Cause I'd never been trained on that. So that's interesting to know that, you know, this brand in particular always does it this way, but another leading brand has another, you know, bespoke or unique way they do it. So I, yeah, I just started really inviting myself. So at, at some point I had some education or or credentials that any other saddler in the country didn't really have. So when I, it, it was, I was working closely with Bute before the Lim Group, which, which is the parent company of CWD and Devaku, before they acquired Bute, I was working very closely with Bute. and when they acquired Bute, I made sure that I was invited to that to that party as well. Love it. But it, I, I, I felt that strongly about that brand in particular that I'm like I didn't want to get left behind or and, and the interesting way that they work is they, they do insist on a high quality they that everyone in their chain, they don't sub out or use subcontractors mm. or anything like that. Everything is done quote unquote in-house or or by people that have been trained by them.
0: Right. So I and think, I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think for the normal equestrian who maybe doesn't know a lot about saddles and saddle brands, maybe wouldn't have known that those three work under the same umbrella in, of of company when you are working with repairing different saddles is there a huge kind of range as far as how those three different brands make their saddles like are you doing kind of three different protocols based on what brand it is or is there a overarching like similarity between the three
1: no a hundred percent they are three individual companies with their own dna they they do not, somebody said to me the other day, like, oh, they're all built the same. And then they just stamp it with whatever name on it. And yeah. it, that's, I was shocked that someone actually believed that. Hmm. And any opportunity I get to, to, to correct that I do it, they are 100%. They are it's not even like brother and sister they are mm. they are their own unique brand and they ride differently they're built differently i think having the same ownership gives you just business side of things probably how the companies are structured you know now you're going to a tannery with a lot more buying power or mm. you know, I think there's there's ba- there's differences on the back or similarities on the back end that, that mean they can produce you know a quality product. But yeah, they're they are all very unique and and you know I work on them every day and mm-hmm. and yeah I might finish a bute at uh, eleven o'clock and be starting uh, a CWD at eleven thirty and 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 it's 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 simple as a, a typical saddler you're never uh, working on one brand you have to be well versed on. On on British, Italian, French-made saddles all the time. Anyway, so it's not it's not like it's a a big stretch.
0: Yeah, cool. So I want to talk to you about your brand, Christian Low Leatherworks, because I think it's so interesting that you have such a unique role within the industry and that you know so much about saddles. And that was, did you kind of like see a need in the industry? Did you see like a missing hole that you wanted to fill with your products or how did that come to be?
1: Yeah. So before I dedicated my, my time to being in the, in the workshop, a hundred percent of the time, I, I did spend say 50% of my time or more on the road fitting saddles and selling saddles and and advising people on, on what to buy. And, you know, daily you get asked, okay, how should I care for my saddle? Because, you know, you're recognized as, as, as the person who should know, you know, like, you know, how do, how do I avoid, you know, or, or, Hey, I just got caught in the rain on a, on a -hmm. long hack. Like Mm -hmm. what do I do when I get back and things like that. So you're the go-to person for, for leather care tips. And it had been for, for many years in the back of my mind, I'd love to have my own line Mm. and, you know, not only as a, an add on sale, but when I first went to England to get my very first training in saddlery, there was a company that they were selling their own little concoction of saddle soap. And I'm like, well, you know, there's so many brands out there. Like, what is, what is this? And it's something they they, you know, cooked up on their stovetop. And hmm. it actually is quite historic. So hmm. grooms and saddlers, if if you can go back, say, a hundred plus years where harness makers and saddlers would would have been abundant. Like, you know, all the people outfitting cavalries and yeah. farmers and, you know, there just would have been tens of thousands of horses working in the country and each saddler would have had their own little concoction that they were selling, that they were, you know, they were cooking up and packaging and selling. So I'm really fascinated by the history and that kind of felt really neat to me to be Mm -hmm. able to to carry on a tradition from, from, you know, a long, long time ago. So I, it was always on my radar. And then finally I, I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this and I finally I met a soap maker actually in my hometown at a market a farmer's market and she had this this wonderful lineup of stuff and I said hey would you collaborate with me on you know I've I've always had this you know skin care believe it or not is very similar to leather care hmm. we're constantly trying to maintain a certain suppleness or moisture and just like with with anyone who works around horses you know you're you're scrubbing buckets, you're out uh-huh. in extreme cold, extreme heat, your hands take a beating. So you right. have this very particular regime about how to keep take care of yourself. And it's the same same with leather. And so we, we, it was just wonderful to work with this really good soap maker who was helped me. He, you know, it's very basic ingredients that are in my products and it's it's very, very simple, but formulating how much of each one and you know things like a guy like me would never understand is like like what's an emulsifier and yeah. why, why do i need that <laughs> what does that do i don't uh-huh. know you know like i just want something that works and then we we played and tweaked and, and finally got something that so far the feedback has been really really positive
0: I wanted to take a quick second from this awesome interview to talk to you about our sponsor today, Groom Tote. Across all riding disciplines, there is a common thread, and that is riders and their horses have an unbreakable bond. Groom Tote is the only subscription box for the horse and rider where you get to choose the products, tailor-made by you, for you, and for your horse. By way of hand-picked sourcing, Groom Tote sources premium products, full-size products that are proven, practical, and pretty for the subscribers. Each tote is filled with inspirations that every equine and equestrian will cherish. You can skip at any time you want or cancel, but you totally deserve this indulgement. Go ahead and head over to groomtote.com, that's G-R-O-O-M-T-O-T-E dot com, and grab your tote before it sells out. In each subscription box, which comes every few months, you can expect products from Equifit, Equine Omega, Farnum, Equus, and so much more. So head over to the website, check it out, pick your products, and then get the most amazing amazing box in the mail thank you so much groom tote all right let's get back to the episode something that I feel like I see around in this kind of niche of the industry with leather care is Neatsfoot oil what is that like wh- how where does it come from and yeah. like why is it good for saddles
1: so foot is is really interesting because I'm one of these people now Neatsfoot is used in my product. I, I do add it in. But so Neatsfoot, what it is, is very specifically it is the shin bone of a cow boiled down, and the grease or the oil that comes out of that part of the cow's anatomy is skimmed off and and that is pure needs foot oil. Yeah. And I'm like, it's hilarious to me that it's so specific. It has yeah. to be the shin, the shin bone. <laughs> I don't know why it can't be. Like product. how
0: did you always think when you hear these weird things, it's like, how did someone figure like think to do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's when I keep remembering like, look, this industry is centuries old. I mean, if you think about how just how old it is and how long you know as a saddler you're constantly coming across people who are like oh I invented a new saddle you mm-hmm. know that will you know no more pressure points no this no that and and you can actually go back and go yeah somebody actually thought about that in 1892 wow yeah <laughs> you know yep. we've been riding horses a long time you didn't yeah. come up with a new idea believe me so um, the but needs foot oil so. What you're trying to do with leather care, the whole point of leather care is you're, when, you, when you have a piece of leather, it's been tanned, it's left the tannery, and now it's about to become a saddle. And leather is either, if, if it's in a humid environment, it's absorbing moisture. If it's in a dry environment, it's releasing moisture and moisture is being taken out of the leather and it dries out over time. And you, you know, the whole point is you're trying to replenish and give back the oils and fats that were normally in that skin or that 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 hide or leather. And meat's foot oil is you're trying to kind of reintroduce what was there in the first place. But the reason I blend it and, and 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 introduce other things is because it's it's just one single facet of of conditioning leather, mm-hmm. and it's. It and many many people's regime, I, you know, I sell the Neats foot on its own, but it's something I don't even talk about. The reason I repackage and 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 sell it just as is is from my raw materials is for the old school kind of people that believe like, you know, yeah, that's that's how I do things, and 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 it's great for say turnout halters or or something like that you know, that, you know, basic leather. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cool. So I know you have a few products and I feel like sometimes there are, everyone does it differently, but what do you kind of recommend for care as far as like the order of products? Like what order should you use them? How often do you use each one for a healthy saddle?
1: Yeah great it, that's the the most common question you know first off frequency the best answer i can give is as needed you can yeah. love your saddle too much mm-hmm. and once you overcondition the saddle it's very very hard to bring it back i'd rather see saddles suffering from a teeny tiny little bit of neglect than okay. than o- over, over care. but the order of things obviously you know your routine should be and i don't even I don't even recommend after every ride, but mm-hmm. it should be a thorough program at least once a week right but if you if you live in a dry arid environment, you know you're going to want to condition more often than if your people's tack regime on the on the west coast is going to be it needs to be different than people on the east coast definitely that that's just fact but it, and, and it's just like your skin and, you know in the winter you're probably applying uh more moisturizer, but in the summer if you're out in the middle of a a ring teaching for nine hours a day, Mm -hmm. you probably do things differently too. And in the winter, you're probably tucked away somewhere, hopefully warmer. So the order of things is obviously clean. So I, I sell, you know, what I produce is a glycerin based soap with, I don't mess with it too much. I actually, then the most important thing I add to that is, is tea tree. And tea tree oil is, 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 anyone who's researched tea tree at all, they'll, they'll know it's it. So it's a wonder, wonderful way to beat, um, keep mold out of the, out of the tack. Cause it's, uh, antifungal okay. um, properties. It doesn't, it, a lot of people are like, Oh, it smells so nice. And I'm like, it's there for a reason. It's not just, <laughs> I'm, I'm not just trying to give you aromatherapy. Yeah. uh That's nice. Uh, side benefit, but to, to clean, obviously any, um, loose dust dirt off whatever but the the cleaning itself is yeah to get you know the the arena dust and all that stuff off of it and to follow up so two conditioners that i sell i call one uh leather bomb which is really meant it's not just saddle specific you can you can throw that on your you know boots for a quick, you know, waterproofing slash Mm -hmm. polish that, that contains tea tree as well. The other conditioner that I sell is it's called saddle oil. And that's the, where I love that the most is when you do have saddles that are completely covered in French or calf skin. Okay. I was going to say calfskin does come from other places than France, but typically we associate yeah. it with, with France. Yeah. Um, so the, the French calfskin, I don't want to go too geeky, but it's if calfskin is tanned differently than leather with with saddles with solid flap, although things are changing a little bit, but the saddle oil just penetrates that leather more easily and you get a, a deeper conditioning. And the calfskin, you're not trying to polish that leather, it has a more dull luster to it anyway, mm-hmm. whereas say a typical say german made or or British or mm-hmm. you know a saddle that has solid flaps and it's and you can polish it to a high gloss almost yeah that's like where what would you do box.
0: with like a buffalo saddle is that kind of is that yeah, the same thing oil. okay.
1: Yeah, the buffalo is. I treat it the same, same similar tanning process to okay. to the calf skin, and I would I would just uh, stick with the saddle oil. Got it.
0: Okay. I feel like people also have a lot of varying opinion and strategy as far as oiling their saddle. When I was working and riding on the West Coast, there were some guys that worked at the barn that I worked at that would clean it and then oil it and then like let it sit out in the sun. I've had people say that that's not a good thing. And then being in Florida, I feel like there's all different techniques again i'm sure it depends on where you're located but how do you recommend applying the oil
1: yeah the the sun thing i remember the first time i ever saw that was at a big horse show and and you know all the big tack trailers tack dealers saddle dealers were Part of their marketing, they lay things out in full view, and they're oiling new saddles. And but the one thing that the heat does with any leather, it's never a good idea to put them in direct sunlight or whatever. But the reality is, the the heat actually helps the oil penetrate. Excuse me the the oil penetrates better with a little bit of heat. Got it. So that's, that's the point there is, and it actually just makes sure that the pores in the leather just open up and it sucks right up, whatever you're Mm -hmm. putting on it.
0: Cool. Got it. So if you are getting, I am in the process of getting my very first new saddle. I've always had used saddles and I'm excited, but also a little nervous because I know there is quite a bit of breaking in time. And yeah, I mean the brand new saddle, I feel like I want to right off the bat, make sure I am taking care of it and how I should. What do you recommend for someone who gets a new saddle? That's kind of, it's like, so fresh and needs to be broken in and you know supple and and that whole process what what do you recommend for those people
1: yeah great question so typically the saddle has received its first conditioning at the factory or the rep does it on delivery day that that's what i've noticed but that i obviously your saddle's brand new it's not dirty. Uh, so the conditioner that typically comes with a new saddle, that's what the manufacturer recommends and I always tell people, you know, if if while you're on that regime, while your saddles, you know, brand new out of the box, use their conditioner and I would condition the saddle probably and it varies but it, you're looking at 2 to 3 times in that first, say 10 to 15 days that you have that. Okay. So every couple of days condition it you don't really need to clean it unless it's been you know exposed to you know complete you know dust bowl or something like that yeah, yeah. but you can just you know with a dry cloth wipe off any surface uh, dust or anything like that the last thing you want to do is is put so much conditioner on or be working dirt into the leather while you're mm-hmm. trying to condition the saddle but the, the reason i suggest that is like obviously that new leather is going to soak up quite a bit of conditioner And you can't just do it once, a really heavy conditioning all at once. The leather doesn't react well to that. You know, doing multiple conditioning sessions spread out every couple of days, it really sets the saddle up.
0: Um, Got it. So like a more like thin layers, but a little bit more frequently to start. Exactly. Okay, cool. What would you recommend as far as temperature regulation of where saddle should be stored?
1: that is the number one thing I wish, you know, when people are designing tack rooms or your, your saddle spending more time in a tack room under a cover than it does on the back of a horse, Hmm. which is what it was designed to do. You know, so the, the saddles actually, it's not while you're using it, that's causing the majority of issues. I see Hmm. it's, it's in a tack room that, you know, where I live right now and it's, it's freezing and, you know, people have the heat cranked in the tack room because it's the only warm place on the whole farm. Right. And it's zapping moisture or it's drying out your leather. Huh. And it's a bit of an issue. So you actually do need, in that case, to condition more. But in then in the summer, oh, it's great. There's no heat on. But then you, you know, you close everything up and lock everything up at the night. and And the problem is that it really should, you should have a dehumidifier running and keeping the humidity in your tack room at a decent level year round. Okay. So, you know, say between, I don't know, 50 and 55% would be ideal because that's the issue is that either people are experiencing, you know, they, they wait until they see mold on their tack, which is fairly common, or they're, they're not even aware of just how, how dry their saddle is getting because of okay. that kind of false environment it's in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I also see when I go on your website, I see all your products, but then I also see some application tools, sponges, and then there's a mitt also. I'm I feel like most of us are very familiar with the tax sponges. But what do you use the mitt for?
1: So the mitt, this is something that I'm so excited about and it's ridiculous because it's it I had never tried one until you know I've been experimenting with it over the last year because i've again you know my background tax sponge you know you you have a sponge that dedicated to your your leather balm or oil and a sponge that you have dedicated to your soap, and you just keep the two separate and you use one for one well the the sheepskin mitt it's incredible the results you get. When you apply the leather bomb specifically to your saddle with that mitt it mm. it just changes how it penetrates the leather it it gets in all the nooks and crannies the it It just takes it to the next level, not only like it looks amazing, but the one thing that i've noticed, and so I at the end of every repair that I do, the saddle gets uh, conditioning, so i'm getting to cleaning condition way more saddles than an average person in a day Mm -hmm. so you really start to go this works differently why or how but the one thing I've noticed I use significantly less so the investment in the mitt you know the leather balm is expensive to produce there's a lot of expensive ingredients in there and obviously people don't want to be wasteful but I'm telling you you'll use probably 30% less, if not more, wow. by using the mitt. It just applies it beautifully to the leather and the saddle just glows afterwards. It's like a luster that it puts on there. It's it's really nice to say. I'm fascinated with it because it's almost like something that, why am I only just discovering this now?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? That's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, I hadn't really seen that before. So I was like, "Ooh, interesting. Something else I wanted to ask you on that kind of same strand is that whenever, any barn that I've been to, there's always your kind of tack cleaning station with your bucket of water and your sponges. But tell me a little bit about water and where it fits in with cleaning your tack, because I definitely know in a lot of cases there is definitely such thing as too much water
1: yep the water for some reason you could almost uh, now for instance the liquid saddle soap that i sell i don't use any water whatsoever got it i just I, you know you do not need it's not like say you're washing clothes where water is doing you know a you know a cup full of or a cap full of soap and a whole ton of water. It, it's the opposite with leather care. You you if you you literally could go to the sink, turn the tap on, dampen your sponge, wring it out to almost dry feeling. Mm-hmm. And that should be enough. You do not need a bucket of water there on standby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good to know. I mean, I know most people have it there to clean bits and stuff, but then I I always cringe if I see people cleaning tack, and it's just like with a dripping sponge. I'm like, no, don't do it.
1: <laughs> yep. It, it actually. So two things: you're creating an environment again for that that mold. You know, mold needs moisture to cool, damp or damp area to to work. Which you're just providing that. You're setting it up, and and you're stressing. You know, you don't really have stitch rod anymore, but, you know, way back, it used to be more linen thread and things like that where, oh, yeah. you know, water is the enemy. So I'm showing my age there. That's not an issue now, but it's <laughs> That's just those... what
0: you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my
1: grandfather would tell me. Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. Love it. Tell me about an area of the industry that you are really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about.
1: Therapeutic riding, I first met or got exposed to it, you know, they therapeutic riding center in an area that I service called me and said, look, we need you to go through and, you know, what saddles do we use on what horses? And, 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 and I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, that's what I do. And they're like, okay, well, what, you know, obviously they rely hundred percent on fundraising, And, you know, when they were asking me to, to quote, you know, the work and things like that, and I said, well, you know, I'm not charging you. I mean, you guys do some incredible work here Mm -hmm. and it's, I just, you know, I think it's just good business sense that every business, I believe strongly that businesses should have a, something they support, you know, something they do because, and, and, and I instantly knew this was my, because they do incredible work. They're every dollar they don't have to spend is is energy they can put into fundraising to to acquiring good horses or paying staff better or things like that. So it's one of those things that it it plays a critical role and they're giving people access to what we all know about horses, Mm -hmm. that, that thrill, that sense of movement and the connection with an animal that they're not necessarily dealing with a horse person they're dealing with someone who's maybe never ever had the use of their lower lower torso so they don't they don't even know what movement might be like and you put them on a horse and and you know you'll you'll just see a a level of pleasure or happiness Mm -hmm. that that you didn't even think was possible for that person and yeah, it's 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 something every chance I get to to help them talk about their their programs. I do. It's it's it really is exciting what they do.
0: Yeah, but absolutely.
1: It, when I when I question them on like, well, where do you get your TAC? And they're it, 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 people donate TAC, but what I was noticing was people are dumping TAC there that maybe should be thrown out and some therapeutic farms have these stores where they'll, they'll you don't donate a saddle and they'll resell it but I wish more people would would donate things like that they they clearly don't need or if you're gonna take a bath on say trading a saddle in why not get a tax receipt for yeah. that saddle mm-hmm. and and donate a nice quality saddle to a place that you know is going to take care of it use it and they desperately need it so that's you know and and i i think it's not even on people's radar they they hear about it and they might see something pop up on their social media but it's uh yeah it's something that i think is is underrepresented
0: definitely yeah i think that's a really good point whenever we talk about any type of therapeutic writing i have two nephews who have used hippotherapy for speech therapy occupational therapy and physical therapy and it's amazing to see How they are on the ground. And then when they get on a horse, how so many things just. Like open up, and they can do so more. They can talk so much more, and it's it's so cool to see. Like you were saying, we already know the the magic of what we get to do with horses, and that you know kind of companionship and that opportunity that we have. So seeing someone else be able to experience that for the first time or, or experience new things because they're on a horse is so incredible. And there are so many therapeutic riding centers. All over. I feel like people don't realize how just how many there are, and I know you were saying that everyone should in the industry should have you know something that they use to give back. And I I could almost argue that everyone could find a therapeutic riding facility to give back to, and to even just have communication or, or ways that they could help out, whether that's volunteering hours or just asking them what their needs are. But I feel like the especially with the idea of not only tack in general, but proper fitting tack and and tack like you were saying that is in good enough shape to continue use is definitely something that needs to be considered. And maybe not a lot of people think about that they would need.
1: Yep. Very true. Well said.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Christian, for taking the time to enlighten us a little bit about leather care. And I just wish you all the best and hope you have a great start of your year.
1: You too. Thank you very much. And thanks for the wonderful interview.